Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Tracking Mud, a podcast where you can keep up in real time as I, Kyle Sayre, uh, navigate starting my first business, City Mud, a pottery studio in Denver, Colorado, alongside my partner and co-founder, Emily. And today I am not with Emily, but I am back with my uh, co-host, my good pal who I haven't spoken to in a long time, Jasper. It's good to have you back, bud. Hello. Nice to be back. Thanks um, for having me. No, f- for sure. I'm I'm stoked. Uh, it's been tough scheduling stuff the past few weeks. Um, I was just out of town uh, for a few days, and you just got a new job. So um, things have just been a little bit hectic scheduling and that's why um well actually emily i think was going to come on the episode whether you could make it or not but that was why i recorded solo last week and uh we can we can debrief on both of those things um in this episode if we want um yeah the rest of what i want to talk about to just kind of give uh i'm trying to start giving uh, little outlines up front. I always forget to do that. <laughs> so, um, I just want to talk about in this episode, just, uh, a quick update on the space, which unfortunately isn't much of an update. And then, um, what else do I want to talk about? Um, That's it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Uh, Bye. <laughs> um, no, and and then just uh, w- we had a we had a really interesting meeting with uh, someone we met in our kiln class yesterday that spurred up um, some other thoughts, and I wanted to share those, and then potentially hiring our first employee. And I wanted to kind of talk through that whole thing with you um, and what that might mean and why we would or would not do that. So that's a little outline of the episode. Um, so to start, uh, you you missed a couple episodes um, and I had Emily on and you didn't listen to that, did you? No, I don't even know who Emily is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> no, I, I didn't listen. Find to out. Um, yeah. You, sh- yeah. <laughs> you actually, you actually should because she absolutely crushed it. Um, and it, I thought was a really interesting episode, and just a lot less about City Mud as a business and more about City Mud as a concept and what we want it to be, and uh, the, kind of the dynamic of our relationship in navigating this whole thing. So, um, anyone who's listening to this, including you, Jasper, that hasn't listened to that episode, I would recommend it. It was definitely, uh, really insightful and just really cool to hear her perspective on everything. And even coming from me who, you know, knows a lot of her perspective on everything going into it, even I like was able to take away a lot from that episode. So, um, that was really fun. And yeah, we, we didn't really give any like updates on the business. And then I recorded a solo episode and that was really interesting. Um, I, I just wanted to be consistent in putting out content and I kind of addressed in that episode how, you know, 
that was kind of my initial concept for this podcast was that I was just going to talk into a microphone alone and just like flood out my thoughts. And cause I just didn't ever even thought I knew Emily didn't want to do it with me. And I didn't think you'd be interested for some reason. And then thank God you are because <laughs> it sucks recording alone. I didn't like it at all. I mean, it was fine, but like I, I didn't, I didn't think it was like great content. I don't know. Like I didn't, I don't think I did a bad job with it, but I just kept like talking myself into a circle being like, well, I guess that's not really. And then I would say something and be like, I actually don't even know what that word means. And I was like, this is why I don't record a solo podcast. Like I just am getting like so spun up in thoughts. Um, yeah, it was, it was funny. Uh, hold on one second. I just realized I meant to turn off my AC before this. I'm going to turn it off really quick so there's no background noise. So an update, I guess, on the space for this episode is that there isn't much of an update. Basically, um, we counteroffered the Osage Street counteroffer. You know, we, we counteroffered their terms, and uh, they basically agreed to just push the lease start date to August. We should still be able to get in there and do stuff before then, but that kind of gives us, that's basically the equivalent of a an added month of rent abatement, but um, not really because our lease just is 36 months starting in August instead of starting in July. So they still get their money, but we don't have to pay money for a longer period of time. So it works out for everyone. So they agreed to move the start date. Um, and then we're still figuring out how we're going to pay for electrical upgrades because they want us to share the electrical with the other half of the space but we're gonna have to shell out like at least probably five grand to upgrade the electrical and that's not really fair sorting that out um and then they just asked for bank statements from us basically just to show that we had capital so that they know we have money to pay for renovations and um haven't heard back on that i sent those bank statements to my realtor and my realtor doesn't talk to me because she sucks um <laughs> and we're kind of at a point where we can't really do anything about that because she's in our letter of intent she's uh listed as our the the exclusive representation on this property for us so um i'm trying to get a hold of her right now and I can't wait to not have to work with her anymore. Um, <laughs> just being honest here, folks. Um, <laughs> so that's the update on the space. We're just slowly creeping along. I'm really hoping that we can get a lease drafted up in the next couple weeks and um, get in there and hopefully even sooner in the next couple weeks, get in there and film some stuff and launch the Kickstarter like ASAP, which is all stuff that I'm trying to figure out and get in touch with my realtor who won't answer the phone. So, um, <laughs> you know, this is just this, this, it feels like the struggle of this lease process. They're just like, we're, we're, we're at the final boss and they're just like upping the, difficulty level for us to persevere through this like it's just <laughs> really annoying um another little another little thing i guess sort of related is that um i just had a nice little vacation this past weekend a long like a five-day weekend um at Whoa. emily's family's lake house in upstate new york which 
she was already there um, for some family stuff she had to uh, attend to. But then she called me and was saying that she was thinking about extending her, uh, moving her flight back because she could basically at no cost and um, things weren't really happening as far as the space, you know, here anyway. So she felt like she could. And then she found a really cheap round trip flight, direct flight to Syracuse um, that I could take. And she was like, it's just been so mentally refreshing to be here to just kind of be separated from the work and just be able to breathe and like, you know, enjoy a day. <laughs> and she was saying how she really felt like that would be nice for me too. And, um, I was kind of having a hard time anyways, um, when she pitched that and it was just really hard for me because spending any money right now is, has so much guilt attached to it. I just, mm. because of the um, stress of having enough money to start this business and the fact that we're about to launch a Kickstarter and I'm like, you know, how could I spend money on, you know, a break or a vacation or whatever you want to call it when, when we're so pinched right now for money. And, um, I mean, this was a really cheap, it was a, it was a $300 round trip flight and, and, um, we just went for it and I'm so glad I did because I, I just, it hit me how how hard things had been on us and i think we really needed a collective just like good time together um and it was just she the way that she was saying it to me was this is kind of like our last opportunity to just enjoy ourselves and have fun and take a quick little step away before all hell breaks loose like there uh, assuming we get this space, there's not going to be another opportunity to do something like this for the foreseeable future. I mean, could be over a year, you know? So we went for it and it was, it was really, really nice to just chill out by the lake and, uh, have some fun, learn how to water ski. Um, oh, wow. that was pretty cool. Pretty good. I you know, I can do it. I got up, I was skiing. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty fun. Um, it's <laughs> cool to it learn before. something new. It was I couldn't remember the last time I like really learned like a new skill like that, you know? Yeah. Um, beyond like the skills I've learned or the things that I've learned business wise. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so that, that was actually, yeah, that was really nice. So anyways, who cares about that? That was a nice little break. Um, and then we came back and it was just like, all right, time to get back on the horse. And we had a meeting yesterday and kind of mapped out um, a bunch of stuff that we have to do to get ready. And um, we had a meeting yesterday with this guy who was in our kiln class and he ran the Arvada Pottery Guild, um, which is just a nearby art center, mainly pottery center. Um, for a couple years and he was on the board there i think for another like 10 years and you know he knows a lot and he knows a lot about running a studio space and uh we got coffee with him and i didn't really know what we were going to talk about like i didn't have many specific questions to ask him i more just 
we both because we, we were trying to think of like what what do you say to someone like this what are some things we can ask him and we really just wanted to hear about his experience and then kind of let it flow organically and where the conversation ended up leading was a lot of things about just like how you manage people in how you manage members and things like that of just uh like he was like how are you guys going to communicate with your members to figure out what they want and let them know you know changes that are being made and we were talking about like do we want to have in-person meetings with our members where it's like hey once a month we meet up and discuss potential changes to the studio because we really want the members to kind of help shape the studio based on what they want. You know, we want them to be happy uh, with the space. Do we do an in-person meeting? Do we just send them an email questionnaire with just like a few yes or no questions, you know, once or twice a month? And if you respond, then, you know, we'll take your input. And if not, we just assume that you're fine with whatever kind of thing. Mm. Um, And we were talking about stuff like that and we were talking about like you know being 24 hours like how do people get clay because we're not going to allow people to fire pottery that's not made from our clay that we're selling Mm. uh because it's a safety hazard it could like explode in our kiln if they use the wrong clay um and could mess up a bunch of other people's pieces and could mess up the kiln and all this stuff so if someone shows up to the studio at two in the morning and they need more clay but no one's there to sell it to them what do we do then you know that kind of stuff um we haven't figured it all out yet but it was really helpful i'm still i haven't had the chance to read through it yet but he gave us a bunch of um logistical stuff like the bylaws and like some of like the the contracts that they had people sign um before they signed up for classes or memberships and stuff to basically um hold them liable for certain cleanliness and um just like kind of being a good person (laughs) you know (laughs) i think something basically something that we can point to and say hey you said you were going to do this uh, and you're not doing this so that if we ever wanted to, you know, cancel someone's membership or something like that, we'd have a little bit more ground to stand on if we had a bad apple. Um, and we had a lot of questions with him about kind of managing that, that kind of person, you know, someone who's uh, not necessarily like stealing from the business or anything like that, but it's just a nuisance. You know, how do you, how do you handle something like that? He didn't have much to say on that. It was like kind of a case by case basis thing. And a lot of that's just running a small business, you know, um, just figuring out those things on a, on a case by case basis. But um, yeah, it just really made me think about Uh, I I kind of have just had the mentality of a lot of those little logistical things we'll handle just as they come to us. Um, But it's really helpful to talk to people who have done it because they have already made the mistakes for you and can tell you, hey, don't make this mistake. Hey, make sure you have 
you know, contracts in place for people to sign before they sign up so that you can hold them liable to those and all these different little things that, you know, could slip by. Um, so that was, I don't know, that was kind of interesting, uh, talking to him and, and certainly he's a, a, a great, great guy and a, a great contact for us. Um, he said he'd build us a, or not, he wouldn't build us, but he'd teach us how to build a gas kiln. If we ever had a space where we wanted to have an outdoor gas kiln, um, wow. which would be really sick. And he was like, I've made, like, I've got it down. Like there are YouTube videos where you can be top, but like, I've got one that's like durable that will like, you can fire all the time and it'll last forever. And gas kilns can fire at super high temperatures and make really cool stuff. Um, so that'll be really sick. Um, and then something I want to talk to you about, unless you haven't, do you have any thoughts on, on that kind of stuff? Just like, I don't know, just managing a bunch of different members and, and having them kind of all be different people and have different opinions and relationships and whatnot. Yeah. I feel like, um, a couple, a couple things come to mind. Like I, I've been to a couple really cool co-working spaces where they have a few cool things put into practice that I wonder if maybe those could apply to what you're doing. Like yeah. one thing that, uh, one co-working space I've been to that's really cool is they had a WhatsApp group for everybody that was part of that, like was a member of it. Um, and in that WhatsApp group, people could, you know, give any announcements of things they have coming up or they can ask questions for advice or the people like you who run the whole thing can give announcements about what's going on like internally, you know, so you can be like, Hey, so, you know, we have a sale on clay or, uh, you know, we're not going to be around this weekend. If you have any questions, let us know, stuff like that. Right. I feel like what's nice about that instead of having like, I don't know, instead of having all that go through email or anything like that is that especially given the positioning of your brand, you're going to have a lot of people like around our age. And I think we're most receptive to like text updates. That's like what we're most likely to read. Um, so that was one cool thing. And then another type of similar thing was, uh, this one coworking space I used to go to had a, like a, what's it called? Like a cork board, um, you know, where, where people could put up, post-it notes or whatever they want with like things they have going on or help that they need or anything like that. So kind of creating the areas, um, in your business to allow members to communicate with each other and with you when they have like something that needs to be communicated. I think just even making the space for it is a really good thing to do. So that way people feel that like sense of community. Totally. Um, and, and that's something we you... talked about a lot in the episode with Emily too, is oh, how yeah. much we want it to be we want the membership base to be a community like we really want it to be like an interactive community feel where you you kind of have this collective um sense of belonging to the same thing and and whatnot so yeah yeah so then on the on on, you know going deeper into that i think the the monthly you know check-ins are a really good thing i could even see you making those quarterly and just making them a little bit more dense. I feel like if you make them monthly, maybe you're not going to have enough substantial updates to give to people. But if you have them quarterly, like people can really, you can really share like what you're working on with the business and people can give you some really well thought out, you know, feedback. Um, 
but also having other, not even just feedback things, but you could have, you could, you know, when somebody signs on, you could say, you know, once a month or whatever it is, we also have an event. Um, and then also as a member, you get access to discounts from these different vendors. Like you could probably talk to, you know, vendors who work in the industry and see if any of them want to partner with you and offer like some sort of discount. Right. Um, and now the membership, you know, not only, um, you know, is the membership for them, but there's these, there's this community that they can be involved in. And there's also all these other benefits that come along with it. Right. Right. Um, yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I think it, maybe it doesn't even need to be scheduled, you know, and it could be something where you just send, um, like you're, it could, there's two different directions you could go, right? There's the yeah. quarterly dense on one end of the spectrum. There's like a quarterly dense. Here's all the things we're thinking about, um, doing with the studio, you know, what do you guys think? Here are all the things coming up, but just a massive update that everybody knows and is expecting. Um, and so since it, it happens so infrequently and there's so much held within them, it's, uh, it's a more, people are more likely to give it their attention. On the other yeah. hand, if it's something that requires so little attention as, um, you know, the the things that we're pitching or um informing people about are infrequent enough that we can just send them a message on something like a whatsapp or something casual honestly right now what i'm thinking of is like when people post questions on their instagram stories Mm. um where you can just like type in the response i don't know how if we would be able to do that exactly but just that kind of thing where like um there are accounts that I follow where the the owner or the the operator of the account will you know just ask something that clearly they're just curious about and they'll say hey what do you guys think about this concept or this band and they'll just like take and they have you know whatever 50,000 followers and they get a bunch of interesting responses or like hey tell me about a time that you whatever I don't know right specifics aren't needed for this example but Anyways, something casual where we could just say, hey, uh, we just put up a poll or, hey, we just put up a question. Uh, Check it out if you'd like. It's open for 24 hours. Actually, you can do polls in WhatsApp. Um, Oh, there you go. Oh, no, wait. I'm thinking of GroupMe. Well, so, yeah. Yeah, because, like, so so I work in tech. So, like, we have. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Yeah, I do. But the, the reason why I say it is that like our customers are more into uh, like more technical platforms, if that makes sense. So uh, this will kind of make more sense as I talk about it, but like we have a, we have a, we have a Slack group like for our customers where within the Slack we have different channels. So we have like a feedback one, a questions one and things like that, um, which is really useful. And it makes sense because it's a tech product and our customers are technical and they want to use Slack to communicate and that fits with them like with with you guys i don't think that people going to city mud are gonna want to go on slack to communicate with you but it'd be cool if there was some sort of middle ground um like if you had the ability with whatsapp to make those channels where it's like hey if you have any feedback throw it in here if you have any questions throw it in here and i'm sure there's tools that and i actually know of a few tools that exist that 
you know, would maybe appeal to like city mud people more. But at the end of the day, that's you asking people to get comfortable using like a new tool or app or something. Um, right. But right. Yeah. And it'd be silly to, be to make yeah. annoying, you know, exactly. And you also don't want to make people put all this effort in just to communicate with you. If anything, it should be the opposite. Of course. Um, and there's going to be why, like a WhatsApp group is nice. Cause a lot of people have that. But is a WhatsApp group nice if there's 75 people in it or, or if there's a hundred people in it? I mean, the coworking yeah. group that I'm part of, um, has 120 people in it. Wow. And yeah. And I'm still like a muted member on it, even though I'm not part of the coworking space. Cause it's nice to read updates, but it works really seamlessly. So like every day they give like a daily agenda, um, because like midday they, you know, on certain days, midday, like I think like every Tuesday they have like a a coffee get together where they like provide snacks and you can have a coffee and meet other people. And they just do that on like Tuesdays. And, you know, some days they'll have members who teach like yoga classes at the end of the day. So every day they'll have like a daily agenda being like, here's what's going on today. And then, um, and then people will ask questions. Like I, I actually met a client that I freelanced for through it. He was like, Hey, does anybody know how to do X, Y, Z? I was like, Oh yeah, I can. Um, and so, and then, you know, you had some people who, would give feedback. We had, <laughs> I remember there was one guy who gave like kind of harsh feedback, but like, yeah, you can get feedback in it too. And people read that. Um, and it was pretty easy for people to go in and you'd think there'd be a lot of noise, but like, I don't know, nobody, like people only really talked in it if they had like a express need to, if that makes sense. Right. Right. Well, here, here's another, uh, point that mm. our, our friend made that we were getting coffee with is there's also the option when you're making a decision, like, and I'm trying to think of a good specific example of something that would be something that we'd want to come to the members with, like, um, like, Hey, you know, like, like what you were just saying with the co-working space, like a, a coffee meetup, you know, maybe a monthly coffee meetup or something like that at the studio with all the members, you know, maybe that would be something that we were thinking about doing, but we're like, well, is anyone even interested in this? And we would want yeah. to approach the members and ask them. Right. And if say, you know, 20 members were interested in a coffee meetup, then we'll do it or, or whatever we decide. Um, then actually in, th in that specific example, it would be, it would be, necessary to ask all of the members but in something that's a little bit more specific like uh hey do we have you know enough glazes or you know do we need to add this feature to the studio he was like you can you're likely to just end up with a group of like six or eight reliable consistent members who have been with you for a while that you build a relationship with who you can kind of trust as like a credible source and you like know them well enough to like know that they're you know um smart thoughtful tapped in people yeah. that you could that can kind of become like a smaller group that not every single decision has to go to the entire customer base you can kind of have this informal consultation with someone who's on the customer side of things um mm. and and see what they think just if you're trying to get more of a loose feel and you're not trying to necessarily pitch it as a big formal city mud idea 
Um, or if you think it could be detrimental for everyone to know that you're even thinking about doing this or something like that. Um, so it'll be a little bit of a figuring out, you know, one way to communicate with everyone and then one way to kind of just like talk to a few people who we think, you know, um, have valuable input. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. I, I thought that was, I thought that was a, a good suggestion. And I think that that's something that whether or not we planned for it or not just naturally happens as you make relationships with people. And, you know, I'm certainly anticipating that we're going to be, um, friendly with a lot of the members. So, yeah, you're always going to have like your, your power members that, um, are really excited about your brand and your business and want right. to make it better. And who are um, super involved, yeah, who clearly really care and have been with us for a while, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that'll that be, you know, we'll we'll just have to uh, feel that out as, as we get our membership base, but um, yeah, I, a, a WhatsApp, I guess, did, does your group have, like, are there guidelines for the WhatsApp, like, hey, don't spam this, or is that just, like, kind of naturally assumed... I think it's naturally implied there might be i think it's pretty low-key though and nobody spams and if they do they just kick them out of the chat but nobody nobody spams in it um yeah i i think it's one of those things where it's honestly best for you just to try something and then see what comes of it after you know right like if you decide it's telegram or whatsapp or maybe even ask all the people like hey what would be best for you and then you know talk to those one or two people that are excited and be like what would you use and then just try it and then see what happens and as problems come up you can probably solve them like as right as they come up anyway right i mean there's just there's going to be endless trial and error going on here yeah yeah Yeah, you might find it's like a facebook group or something which it probably won't be but you could (laughs) see that you know maybe it's that or whatever it ends up being um i think you'll find pretty quickly like whatever works best i think what's nice about like a text-based thing like whatsapp or telegram or whatever is that you can really quickly and casually be like hey guys like we're having a coffee meet up tomorrow at five like hope to see you there you know you don't need to make it this whole email or this whole like big post with photos and stuff you can just type out a quick message and yeah people can respond and like say whatever they want it's just i feel like it's really casual like really easy for people to interface with right Right. The only thing, the only thing you want to be careful for is to not like jerk people around with like all of your different ideas. Like trial and error is inevitable and is like clearly part of running Mm -hmm. a business and definitely starting a business, but you don't want to be like, Hey, we're doing this now. Oh no. Hey, now we actually communicate with you this way. Oh wait, just kidding. We're like, we don't want to switch it up like six times, you know, um, or people will just get, get annoyed at that reasonably. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is a good point. You could even, you know, you could even hold off until you have a strong member base and be like, "Hey, we're looking to introduce more of a community thing. What would you guys suggest? Let it <laughs> let it be a little bit more of a community based decision." Right. Right. That's a very good point. Have a community poll on how to have a community. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, what but- what do you guys prefer? WhatsApp? Do you prefer? You know an Instagram group? Do you prefer email? Do you, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think like, aside from that, like 
you know, having, like I said earlier, like having the space, just like when people come in, letting them know like, Hey, here's what you can expect every month. Like we have these events and we have this and that, and we have, you know, whatever, like offsite events too, and this and that. Um, and then also having the space within city mud for people to be able to communicate, whether it's a whiteboard that people can ask questions on or whatever it is. Um, yeah. You know, because everyone's going to be next to each other all the time anyway. So it's not like you need to make it all digital. Like you can make sure you have dedicated spaces inside of the studio where if anybody does want to collaborate or, you know, do community stuff, they can talk about 100%. it. 100%. Totally. No, we're definitely going to have some type of like message board where you could like, yeah, put stuff up or be like, even you could just put a little note and be like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to throw teapots, but I can't figure this one thing out text me if you can help me <laughs> you know whatever um or people could totally. post whatever they want on there and we're gonna have like a little nook kind of cozy area like we want to have like a little kind of just hangout area um that people can just chill at too if they're not throwing and stuff like that that's, so yeah um, that's really awesome and another yeah. idea came to mind but i totally forgot it it's okay. I had a couple too. So, um, (laughs) another thing is that this made me think of was kind of certain things, not setting the, not setting an expectation so that you don't have to, uh, necessarily you don't get scolded for not delivering. And that's actually the exact point I was going to bring up. (laughs) Right. So, so so, yeah, which is uh, what I just said is extremely vague, but what I mean, and the, the specific example that I'm, uh, thinking of is we were talking about reclaimed clay. So when you're throwing, first of all, if you're throwing and then you mess up a piece and you just like tear off a wall of a bowl by accident, you can't just like ball that piece of clay up and just start throwing again you because there will be filled with air pockets and it'll mess everything up um so you have to reclaim that clay to use it again get all the air out so we're gonna have this machine that does that um it's called a pug mill and it you, you just like dump all this clay into it you like dry out the reclaimed clay and then you um, actually you put it all into it and then you dry it out but anyways it basically just like mixes it all up and just like just it's like squeezing out a gogurt <laughs> or like a well a frozen gogurt i guess um <laughs> i don't know it looks like that kind it's like a two like a huge tube of just like clay and you can reuse and people love using reclaimed clay and it's um typically studios or or frequently studios will give you some amount of reclaimed clay that's just like free clay you can use um which is obviously appealing and we are talking about uh, re- reclaiming clay yesterday and um, how much people would get, you know, per month or how we're even going to keep up with all the reclaim because if we're teaching beginner classes, people are going to be messing stuff up left and right. And we're going to have like a yeah. ton of reclaim from the classes and like getting a pulse and all that. And I, I said, um, I just don't, I think the best thing to do would be to not mention the reclaim at all when we first start selling the memberships, like as a perk, just like, don't even add that in the, you know, on one hand, you want to add all as many perks as you can to help justify your price point, 
you know, mm-hmm. you want to be able to list off everything that's good about your product as possible. But at the same time, what if we, you know, overpromise on how much reclaim all the members get and then all of a sudden we're out of reclaim because everybody wants it and then people are like what the hell I thought this was part of the membership I get I get this amount of reclaim and you know that kind of thing whereas if we just get a grip on how much we're going to have for a little while and then start you know um doling it out then we can be like hey we're going to start giving you guys reclaim where we're doing it based on how much we have we can just you know make it so that nobody's uh nobody can can point to a promise we made and and say that we didn't deliver so i'd say that that general um theory can probably be applied in a lot of different ways yeah i was even thinking uh like katie and i we when we were living in providence we were grocery shopping at this co-op and um you have to like you know be a member for the co-op or whatever and so we signed up and in the membership thing, what we're really excited about is they're like, yeah, and we, you know, always have these, I want to say they said like monthly or quarterly, but they're like, yeah, we have these member meetings, every member is invited and you get to suggest products and talk about like, you know, what we should buy for the store and this or that. And we're like, oh, that's so awesome. That's so exciting. Like we both love food and food products. So we'd you know, love to be part of that. And it just like never was ever mentioned again, you know? Um, and that was right. kind of disappointing because then we'd be at the store and there were certain products that we'd look for that they didn't have. And we're like, oh, that's a bummer. Like if, you know, and maybe they were having those events, but we couldn't figure out where, when they were, they didn't really like mention them ever. Um, and we're like, oh, that's like part of the reason we paid for this membership was so that we could, you know, like have an impact on what type of food is sold at the grocery store we go to. Yeah, um, that stinks. And, you know, you probably, you know maybe you wouldn't have signed up for the co-op if that wasn't pitched, but I think there's a good chance you still would have. I was about to say, I think we still would have, but it was just a bummer, you know? Right, exactly. But it would have been the opposite of a bummer if you had signed up already and were like already excited about it. And then they came to you and said, Hey, we're doing this new thing where, you know, you get to meet and and choose what's going to be in the store. You would have been like, what? This is, the best you know and it, all of a sudden it goes yeah well it's the classic uh happiness equals expectations minus reality or no i mean expectations fuck what is that uh happiness is expect yeah expectations minus reality i think that's what it is whatever it is it's like it's basically just you don't want your expectations to be too high and if you set them low and then it over delivers you're super happy um and so true yeah, yeah right i mean it's just it, it makes sense and i think that that applies across the board i mean even with the kickstarter it, it applies and um i remember seeing some other kickstarters i'm not knocking anybody all these people this this stuff just changes and that's part of a kickstarter is that the business is going to change you know it's not you're not expected to fully deliver on everything you expect the business to be when you launch a Kickstarter, but seeing people promise a bunch of stuff like uh, a yeah. free throwing night and things like that, that just never happened. And you're like, Oh, that sucks that, you know, people were probably really excited about that when they were contributing to this Kickstarter. And then that, that just never came to fruition. 
So yeah, it's like when people turn their brainstorm ideas into like features that they talk about, and then it's like they forget about it, but the people that paid for it don't. Right, exactly. So I definitely want to be conscious to not overpromise on the Kickstarter. Um, I mean, like, imagine if we had been saying we were going to be twenty four seven this whole time and had people pay for stuff, and then we were like, "Oh, we'll we'll be open till midnight." You know, people would be pissed. Um, yeah, that'd be a really totally. really bad case of it. But yeah, yeah, it's like um, the classic case of having to like grandfather your prices in if your prices change, or you have to have a difficult conversation with your customers, being like, "Hey, you're paying for this, but you know our prices are going up." I mean, like Netflix always seems to communicate that poorly. <laughs> right right yeah that's true um yeah and then oh, i had another thought on that too but um i might have said it some about expectations um i don't know um so uh, another thing that i i, I think will be an interesting uh i'm I'm curious what you're going to think about this um so Love we it. today we're having <laughs> we'll see uh <laughs> today <laughs> emily is having a phone call with a friend from college who was the studio tech at her college in the um in the well there wasn't even so ceramics wasn't a major at her college but um this person was doing a bunch of ceramics and then just got their masters in ceramics and taught emily a lot when she was in college and um is has just worked at all these different studios and really knows what they're doing obviously they just got their masters and um and it's just a, a wealth of information and according to her just a really a uh, sweet person with a great demeanor and a really good way of, you know, explaining things and being, you know, kind of calming you down when you're frustrated and all this different stuff. And we had reached out to him at the beginning of, I don't know, months ago, um, toward the beginning of the year and said like, hey, would is there any chance you'd ever have any interest in like, you know, working for the summer uh, we thought they were still in school at the time. So we we're like, you know, maybe in your summer break, like working at our studio or something. And they said, I don't know. I got to figure out. I'm actually graduating this year. I got to figure out what I'm going to do after. And then they just got back to Emily like well, last week or something saying that they were interested and they wanted to talk on the phone about it. And that's super exciting. Objectively would be an amazing thing for us to have uh this friend working in our studio we could learn so so much from him and would really help cover um any gaps in our technical knowledge of of what's required as far as um you know kiln loading firing schedules for the kilns just running a studio teaching people all this different stuff just so much experience and um and an amazing artist in and in and of their own so um the question is can we afford an employee right now i mean we're already 
terrified of this massive financial commitment and then to ask someone to move to Denver on a promise that they can work at our pottery studio um, is really scary and how much how much can we pay them and and all this different stuff um, and so it, it brought up an interesting discussion with Emily of just kind of weighing on one hand financially it clearly makes sense for us to just try and do everything we can ourselves at the beginning because we're going to be in debt and we're going to be just like trying to pay the bills and trying to pay ourselves if we can as soon as possible and um you know just kind of get out of the hole basically and so any expenses we can cut including payroll is massive on the other hand we need this business in order for this to work in the long run we need this business to be successful and for the business to be successful we need to know that we have a good product and having someone um, like her friend in our studio would give us that confidence in our product that we know especially if he was helping teach classes and would just make us feel so secure um in in what we bring to the table technically speaking as far as operating a pottery studio um that we would feel way more confident that we were uh offering you know the best service possible and those two things kind of go against each other um and it's this it's this decision that we're constantly faced with with you know the security system for the um for for everything it's like this will make the business better and a more efficient business and a better service it'll make it a better studio but it's going to cost more money and it's you have to face that decision every single time as it comes to you and um so i basically just had to sit down and look at our spreadsheet of our projected costs and our projected revenue and um how much we think we could reasonably you know pay him or how many hours basically we could give him per week at at an agreed upon rate um and we'll see how that conversation goes but i'm just curious like your your thoughts on um that decision mm. well i guess i can only talk about my experience yeah with this type of stuff but like with with limeades i mean the product was the service so um when it comes to hiring people to do the service like yeah of course i hired people because i had to right away um but with hiring somebody to do my job i didn't do that until i i did it once for like a month while i was on or like maybe two weeks or something while i was away no i think it was a month and then i didn't do it again until about a year after i started the business um maybe not even but i think that was really crucial um in my case at least you know running the business myself for the first year about and actually i was just talking to the new owner um of limeades the other day and she actually said the same thing like when she bought it she 
decided to take on all the work herself. Um, and I actually, I, I started doing that again when we did the relaunch after COVID, but she did it herself and she was like, yeah, I'm really happy I did because now I'm ready to hire someone. And I know exactly not only what to ask them to do, but also what type of output to expect from them. Obviously, like you can't expect the same output as an owner from somebody that you hired, but at least, you know, like what, what red flags could possibly exist, you know, what types of things they could be doing incorrectly. Whereas like if you hire somebody without um, having owned the business for long enough to really know like what needs to be maintained, um, it could be hard for you. Like they could be like, all right, what do I need to do? And you're like, I don't know. I'm still kind of figuring that out. That can be a tricky position for both of you. Totally, um, totally. But yeah, I mean, all of those like reservations aside, I think the cool side of it um, is that it'll free up more time for you to focus on growing the business. I guess really the like what's nice is that this person seems like they like are super qualified and like they're going to do a really good job. Um, but let's say like hypothetically in a situation where they don't, like if they drop the ball for some reason, um, that is going to be a really rough start for you. Um, where like you're, you know, you have somebody doing this stuff not super well. And then you're also trying to focus on growing the business before the business is even processed and, you know, or the processes have been created and everything's solid. Um, totally. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, that's, I think, that's just some ahead. thoughts, but yeah, I, sorry, I'll wrap it up. But I guess like, I guess uh, on the good side of it, like you can, you can have this person work alongside you and because they know everything so well, they can start to indicate certain things to you quicker than you might notice them and they can help you come up with those processes. So I think kind of like the, the closing thing would be that it depends on how you use that labor. And if you use it as a way to help you speed up, maybe some of those pieces um, that you're going to have to go through anyway, then it could be a good thing. Just, I wouldn't recommend like bringing that person on being like, all right, thanks for taking care of that. I'm going to go focus on, you know, marketing now or something. Cause I think that could, that could lead to some issues. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I should, um, I should clarify that we're expecting that this would be a, a short term stint. Um, where they'd be here with us working for the, you know, a few months. That's what we're thinking. I, again, I'll know more about this by the end of the day, but uh, this wouldn't be like a, a full-time forever employee. And a lot of the stuff that they'll be doing at the beginning for us will be stuff that eventually will either have paid employees or work exchange employees doing. Um, but the thing is where, what you're saying about, um, about what doing it yourself so that you know how to do it and what you expect from other people, I could not agree with more. And that has been my stance on, on the studio, the whole, t from the beginning. Um, I, I've been of the opinion that, you know, I don't want to hire anyone to keep the books until I've kept the books myself, that kind of stuff. Absolutely, absolutely agree. Um, and and pretty much across the board for everything in the business, I think Emily and I both want it that way. Um, the thing that's different about this case is that they'd basically be teaching us what we should expect, you know, from other people. Yeah, um, and totally. it's the fact that they're they're also that they're a friend. Um, 
that they they recognize the reality of our situation and we can be very honest with them about it and we would be the the value would be that we would be able to learn a lot of these things that would be way harder to learn like the nuances of kiln firing are so you know you can the people who taught us the kiln class have been firing kilns professionally like as a service for people or for their own work professionally for like 30 years. And they're still like tinkering all the time and figuring stuff out to like make it. It's so, it is the bottomless pit of bottomless pits of information. (laughs) And so like, and, and Emily's fired a kiln, you know, here and there in her past, but I, we have very, very little experience in that. And so to have someone who's like, well, okay, this is what you want to do. You'll want to, you know, load them in this way. And we want to test with these things and we want to do, you know, that's like a world of confidence also just so that we don't accidentally break our kiln, you know, and then actually put our business under, you know? Um, so there's that side of it. And then the same thing with Emily teaching classes where like, you know, she's confident that she's um, good enough and skilled enough and has some experience in teaching beginners, but this would just add a, a massively upgrade us, um, and give her the confidence that, you know, we don't have a, a poorly structured or poorly operated first round of classes where then our reputation, um, isn't where we want it to be to keep people coming in. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to take three months to figure out how to teach classes the right way and then start teaching good classes because then we've got 50 google reviews saying otherwise you know um so there's that there's that type of thing too but this would be a a um basically we'd be hiring this person to teach us uh as much we we our goal would just be to learn as much as we can from them and have them around also as another as an extra helping hand which will certainly be nice um for just like the labor type of stuff but then to just absorb as much as we can and then eventually they'll go on their way and do their own thing and we will then carry on that knowledge ourselves and then eventually be able to have other people do do it as well does that make sense it does. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. I, uh, yeah, I mean, with the way you explained it in that case, then like, I would say, um, I would say it's a startup cost, honestly. Like it sounds like he's almost an advisor. Like I, yes. I'd say it's a great, an advisor, it's a great exactly. thing to do. I think it's going to save you a lot of time and money. Like I, I think you'll have a return on your investment from that. Right. I, I, you know, as long as it's not, as long as it's not asking for like, you know, 10 grand a month or something crazy like that, then, <laughs> right, I think, which is, it's not. And I think it's totally worth it for you. Right. Um, you'll, yeah, you'll speed up so many processes of the business, and yeah, like if you view them as a coach or advisor, as a startup cost that you incur one time, it's pretty, it's pretty hard to argue with. Right. No. Yeah. That. Um, yeah. That's a very good point, and yeah, it is. If it were it a fixed a cost, you know, yeah, if it were a fixed long-term cost. You know, where it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to hire this guy for the indefinite future um, just to do what we do, then maybe less. But with what you just described, that sounds so, that sounds like it'll be so helpful for you guys. Like, it sounds like such a great idea, honestly. Yeah, right. And I looked at the numbers and 
without membership, if we can just fill classes, um, mm. five, 10 person classes at our class rate, then we should be able to pay for all of our other projected expenses and him, you know, 20 to 30 hours a week. So, yeah. And even if he leads to a little bit of a loss in the months that you have him, you'll, you'll get a return in the long term. Totally, totally to so, really, and, and right. And just having that confidence in ourselves to really actually feel like we know what we're doing when we're um, teaching and firing and doing all this stuff would be, there's a value to that. Um, oh yeah, man. So yeah, that yeah, that's something good. who knows it, it totally could uh, not be what he's looking for. Could not work out. You never know, but, um, but I'll certainly Sounds solid. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, all right. That makes me feel a little, a little bit better about it. Cause I was just nerd like, God, when you're already so stressed about all the money and then you add in, you know, a few thousand dollars a month <laughs> of expenses yeah. is just so scary. Totally. Um, but yeah, I think all right. it. it sounds like a good idea. It sounds super practical. I don't think it sounds like impulsive or like a waste. Um, right. Yeah, dude. I also, I didn't know that you could cook food in kilns. I was just looking at kilns on Google, like images. Oh, there's really? Like a photo of, there's like a photo of someone cooking a rotisserie chicken in a kiln. What? <laughs> yeah, it's like the fourth image that shows up when you Google kiln. Holy shit. I wonder, yeah. that person must not have used the kiln for like, I feel like there's got to be some weird chemical shit going on in there if you've been like using it for pottery. and um, Maybe it's like from a company and they're just like showing. Yeah, it's from New Mexico clay. Maybe they're just like. <laughs> That's oh, really... it's a turkey. They're doing a Thanksgiving turkey inside the kiln. Whoa. That'd be a fun it's, member it's, event. It's a recipe. Yeah, we we do a <laughs> we do a a muds giving with muds giving. all food made in the kilns. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would be so funny! I would never do that. I would never even just like risk destroying our kilns to cook a turkey in them. But <laughs> um, that's that's really that's... funny. I've never heard of that. That didn't come up in the kiln class, so. Uh, it sounds like you invested in a bad class. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? <laughs> um, that that class was amazing. It was so cool. Um, and it like, has so if awesome. I put two turkeys in there, what would happen? <laughs> you know, like, what turkeys are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, that would have been. They would have kicked me out. Uh, <laughs> it has been really nice to just see like casually people continually reaching out to us and saying like they found us in various ways through friends, through, you know, something, um, we had posted or someone had shared our stuff on social media. And like, there's just been a, I feel like a steady, slow trickle of interest. Um, that's been really encouraging and talking to people when we set up at the park, they're like, Oh my God, you know, we've been wanting to take pottery classes, but it's been impossible to get into one. And, um, there's been tons, there's been a lot of, uh, positive signs that, that this is very needed. And, um, and talking to, um, our, our friend yesterday 
about it, he was like the guy who ran the Arvada uh, Pottery Guild was saying, you know, he thinks that we're going to have we've been nervous about membership because that's not something that we have as much certainty in as far as like the need. Like we're pretty sure that there are going to be people who want to be members, but we know there are people that want to take classes. And um, he was like, there are a lot of people who are looking for studio space. And if you're offering unlimited 24 seven studio space, like, yeah, people can, you know, if people want to have a studio, you can buy a wheel. Wheels aren't, egregiously expensive to buy but you still need somewhere to fire and you also still need somewhere to have a wheel and have clay splattering everywhere and like if you live in a 500 (laughs) square foot apartment like even if you can afford a wheel you like don't want that you know um and it's just hugely inconvenient to then find somewhere separate to fire all of your pieces and um, all that kind of stuff. So that, that was encouraging. And also just thinking about us being in Denver, as far as like, there are classes you can take or places you can go that are outside of the city. But if you want to take a 6 PM pottery class outside of the city and you live in Denver, and then you have to drive out of Denver, you have to leave Denver at 5 PM to go to your pottery class. You're going to be driving. It's going to, it's going to take a 20 minute drive is going to take 45 minutes because you're going to be in all of the rush hour traffic leaving the city every day, you know, that kind of stuff. Like just thinking about the appeal of being in the city where like you can, it's that ease of access just like means that much more, I guess. So true. Um, Yeah. It'll be cool too. You'll be taking people from the journey of taking a class to maybe becoming a member. Totally, totally. That was another thing we talked about was was the the hope of a conversion from classes to memberships for sure. Even if it's just like one or two people per class are interested enough to then switch over to the membership. Um, totally. And and another thing that if we had this person working in our studio would be that they could potentially teach more advanced classes. So they could teach like we like Emily could teach beginner wheel throwing and then uh, he could teach, you know, intermediate advanced wheel throwing uh, or hand building. Oh, he, he's also an expert hand builder, so he could teach hand building classes. But either way, um, then people take an, a more advanced class and then they really feel like they're a bona fide potter, you know. And then once you've when, once you're at that level and you're making these kind of more complex pieces, I think you're much more inclined to continue on and to to pay for a membership. So, um, totally. just another added value of of having him around. So, uh, I hope we can convince him to come, even if it's just for a short time. I think it'll be just so valuable. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. That's kind of all that I, uh, had to talk about on this episode. Um, I'm happy to keep talking if, if you had any more thoughts you wanted to share on it, but that was kind of the, the gist of what I wanted to get to. Let's just, uh, spend the rest of the episode reading the Wikipedia article for pottery. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. I was talking about, um, starting a 
just like for Fonzie's podcast with my friend who lives here. And, mm-hmm. um, and we were, I was saying how it's just, it's just not necessarily even again, more so doing it for ourselves, um, where it kind of just gives a conversation a purpose where you can really yep. dig in to one specific thing. And I was like, a podcast just needs direction. Not all podcasts need direction, but, um, you know, generally speaking, I'd say that's a good, uh, rule to have is that there should be a, some type of specific topic that's being discussed. Uh, and it can be a different topic every episode, but, um, we were talking about, we could do like a storytelling podcast or we could do something where it's like a group podcast, but then each episode, someone different in the, in the group kind of comes, uh, to the table to inform everyone else and kind of have an open discussion about something they know a lot about. And uh, I think that that would be really cool. And there are certain things that I think that would be really helpful for. Like he was, uh, he's a, knows more than anyone I've ever met about tea um, and tea leaves and that whole culture and stuff. And it's really, uh, really interesting. And I've learned a lot about tea from him, but I've certainly never sat down and had an uninterrupted hour plus long conversation exclusively about tea with him, you know? Um, And I probably learn a lot more. But eventually we'd run out of topics that we know a lot about. And then we'd just be like reading Wikipedia pages that we like studied up on an hour before the podcast. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, no that's why you bring to... on a different guest every episode. Right. I right. Totally. Totally. Right. We could exhaust everything we know about. I'd tell people about fish and then, <laughs> and then, um, and then we'd have to start just bringing on guests who know stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And I will say, though, if as far as uh, growing a podcast, guests are the way to grow a podcast. Guests and clips. So uh, neither of which we've done <laughs> on this podcast. But because uh, yeah. then the guest will post about it and that brings a whole new audience who will listen to the episode with that guest. And then if they like it, then they might check out your other episodes. And that's how most podcasts seem to take off. And then the bigger you get, you start landing bigger guests who know more people or have a bigger audience. And then, you know, it just snowballs. Um, or you have a clip of your podcast that goes viral and then people check out the episode, but yeah. Yet somehow this podcast became wildly successful without doing any of that. I know. I know. I don't know how we did it. It's really an anomaly. Um, but yeah, luckily we made a course talking about the step-by-step process. So if anybody <laughs> wants to buy to buy that course, uh, it's only it's only forty-eight installments of three hundred dollars, uh, paid monthly, and you can find that at Kyle and Jasper's Podcast Course dot com. Kyle and Jasper's Podcast Course dot com might be the worst business name I've ever heard. Of. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's actually .com is it's Kyle and Jasper's podcast course d o t c o m and then .com .com .com. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah um, but you just the the .com is silent. You just say .com once. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. Um <laughs> I hate, I hate myself too. Oh god. 
Dude, the, the domain's available. Did no show. <laughs> I I hate you even more. Um, Both of them. <laughs> With and without the dot com. All right. I just uh, lost Jasper. I think Podcastle might have kicked him off of the platform for being so cheesy <laughs> with his jokes. Um, but we were going to wrap up the episode anyways, so um, I'm going to do that. But before I do that, I have a little update that I just got uh, in the last minute from my realtor. And... Uh, she said she was on vacation, which is why she hasn't been answering me, which, you know, again, professionals tell people when they're going on vacation, but we'll let that slide. And uh, she said they're putting the lease together. So hopefully we'll have a lease to look at soon for the space. Super exciting. I'm going to leave you guys on that high note. Um, I'm certainly happy about it. And uh, we will see you guys in episode 16. Thanks again for tuning in. Bye. Bye.